A lot of people say they do just about anything to make a living fishing. This week's guest is doing just that and proving it by living in a van down by the river. This week, Bassmaster Classic qualifier, KJ Queen on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome friends, family, freeloaders, and fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, and that is Mercer. Welcome to a unique episode. And the coolest thing about this show is there's no rules. There's no time limits. I mean, last week's show was the longest show we ever made, but we also never had as many people leave comments that said it wasn't long enough. Um So the cool thing about this whole platform is there is no rules. There's no set person you're supposed to have on. There's no distance of length of talk. There's no commercials you got to go to, no breaks to pull away from. So you have no rules. And what I try to do, if you haven't caught on yet, is is throw a giant mix of people. It's not all tournament anglers. It's people from the industry. It is tournament anglers, but they're all at different levels. And, you know... The fishing industry is really good about talking about people once they made it and and say, man, you lived in your truck and, and you ate microwave popcorn and tuna to make this dream happen. But what we're not good at is a lot of times talking to them while they're working to make that dream happen. And it is crazy that when you talk to people when they make it, they look back at those days and say, man, those, those were the most amazing days and this week's guest is living those days literally living in a van down by the river not just any van he is living in the queen machine and um to be honest i've just always wanted to see inside the queen machine i I have never figured out a less awkward way to ask to see inside of it so as soon as i asked kj queen i said hey can can we do a podcast from inside the queen machine he agreed and um Well, the rest is history. I hope you enjoy. KJ Queen, you have done exactly what I asked you to do. I had one request. I'm like, if we do a podcast together, will you do it from within the Queen machine? I am in the Queen machine, 100%. This is it, living the the lifestyle, and this is a quick quick little sneak peek of what it's about. So, this is it. The Queen machine got... Got a lot less creepy this year when you wrapped it. When it was just a white van, it just it was a little more creepy, no? Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me that I still need to go on the side of it and put in free candy or play some ice cream music in the background. <laughs> oh, wow, that'd be the greatest thing to weigh into, ice cream music. Yeah, How creepy I, would... pretty good idea. You never know. <laughs> Speaking of weighing, am I wrong or you did not weigh into the gambler at the Classic? Is that correct? Weighed in the gambler with the gambler. You you normally weigh in. No, but you normally weigh oh, in. Yeah. You got to know and yeah, yeah. and that's what your I song for the classic, I right? I changed it up. The only reason I did that is because like they want something unique and something a little bit different. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll change it up a little bit. But from now on, it's gonna be the gambler, no doubt. Because I mean, but you know, my didn't have the best finish at the classic, and there you go. There's why you know got to play the gambler the whole time. So. So I figured figured out my lesson on that one. <laughs> yeah, ironically, I, I always thought the gambler. I'm like, there's one spot that this will really work, and it was the Bassmaster Classic. The Bassmaster Classic. And I was like, 
Uh, no gambler this time around. Yep. Yep. I was, I was played some born ready. I, I reckon I wasn't too born ready on that one. <laughs> but, well, what do you feel like now? The week after your first, like the classic knocks the crap out of you, but oh. being your first one, what is the feeling the week after? The feeling that I get now is I want to get there so bad now, more than even ever, I want to get back and grind at it and I got the first classic nerves out of the way, you know, this, that, and another little shaky here and there, but like, it's like, all right, I want to win that classic. Like I want to be Christy. I want to be the guy at the top. I want to hold that trophy. And that's, I mean, that's my goal from here on out. I want to make the classic every single year. I mean, I want to be there at the classic. It was such a, it was a dream come true for me. Cause I mean, yeah. I've never, you know, it's something that I've always, ever since I was little, I mean, little bitty, you know, I was going and watching these guys weighing these big fish across this big stage. And, you know, it's like to get there and to, to work at it. You know, I went through the high school fishing, qualified through it, go to the college. And I made it through college and I made it into the Opens and then qualified for the Elites first year at the Opens and then qualified from the, the Elites into the Classic. And it's like there's no other platform that you can go. You know, it's like you're at the top of the top, like into work that hard at it and that long at it and to finally get there, it was, it was a dream come true. I mean, there was no doubt about it. And you just really went through it really quickly. It seems like a blink of an eye, but, but you really haven't. If you look through your career, through high school, through college, through the Opens, you haven't had many speed bumps along the way, have you? I mean... Knock on wood. No, no I haven't. It's been, it's been pretty nice, pretty flawless on qualified and getting, getting through and you know, a lot, of t a lot of that I really think, I'm not lying to you, I really think it's clean tackle. With our product that we've come out with, you know, we have something that's very unique, it's different, and with having something that's unique and different, that's the whole thing, ballpark in fishing nowadays. you got to have something that sticks out to everything else because it's easy enough for somebody to go down through there and scan down a ledge and be like, well, they're sitting right there. You can see them. I mean, with technology nowadays, there's no – level of advancement with having you know i got this unit and i got this unit well they're basically the same and there's there's no difference in the advantages nowadays so you got to have tackle advantages that gives you that little edge and i i swear i felt like you know i qualified and won the uh, team of the year with bass masters and it was like the first year that we come out with our queen tackle switchblade like the first year i had a prototype had two of them went to garnersville first time I ever through it my partner, he was sitting there throwing a different vibrating jig, and it was like a seven-to-one ratio. Like, it was crazy in practice. And in the tournament, it was the same way. I mean, we sat there. We had 28 and a half pounds, finished like second in it, almost won it, got beat out. But, uh, I, you know, it was one of them days it's like, yeah, this makes a difference. And then, like, from then on, I threw it, like, in every college event after that. I threw that switchblade every single event, and I ended up winning team of the year that year. And I used the exact same product, same exact tackle, the, the flipping jig, the, the switchblade. I used it in the opens and qualified my first year using it in the opens. So, like, I know for a fact, there's no doubt in my mind, it makes a difference. Because, I, I mean, yeah, I can catch a fish every once in a while, but it helps whenever you have something when they're eating it good. And, like, you can go behind people and still throw it and get bit behind people. And that's that's a huge ballpark with, with our way that we fish when – how people, you know, it's not a matter of locating them as much now. It's a matter of getting them to bite. 
And, you know, it, it helps no doubt in my mind. 100%. Is it true that you guys started Queen Tackle as a way to fund your future as a professional angler? In a, in a way. In a way yeah. it was. You know, when I was in college, we first started up and it's like, you know, we're looking at a business for me and my dad just to kind of hop on board and grow. And then it kind of turned into, all right, now you're fishing the opens. It's like, all right, now you're fishing the elites. It's like, let's let's blow this thing up. You know, let's make Queen Tackle massive. And, you know, it, and it's it's one of my big supporters. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it without my Queen Tackle business, you know, helping with with funds here and funds there. You know, it definitely 100% a huge factor in my game. But Do uh, you worry that you won't be able to, you know, as your career in the elites continues to take off, do you worry that you won't be able to focus on the tackle game as much? Like guys like John Cruz are a rarity to have a successful tournament career and a successful lure company. Yes. And that that is one of the places that we're dealing with right now. You know, we're finally getting up. People are, once people use it, it's not a matter of them catching fish. They're going to catch fish on it once they use it. It's just a matter of getting it in their hands. And we've finally got enough, enough people now where it's getting in their hands. My dad's getting worked to death right now because <laughs> you know, he's got he's got another job. And then also with Queen Tackle. And so, like, you know, it's he's and I'm not there because I'm traveling on the road. You know, whenever I'm at the house, I'm at the, you know, at, at the house, I'm working on tackling, putting out orders and doing this, that and another. So, we're starting to grow and we're going to have to start growing in the company ourselves and growing out and, you know, probably hiring some new people on and, and, and getting it going. So it's, it's a good thing though. It's a good thing. Yeah. That's a great thing. And so we'll put the link in, in this deal and hopefully a bunch of people support it and check out some of those awesome. products. Is it true you won your first tournament when you were seven years old? I was. I was Do you seven. realize that makes a lot of tournament anglers a little bit of them right now that hate <laughs> you? Just like, you know, there's 40-year-olds still trying to win their first one, and I won one when I was seven. <laughs> I did. I took me and Papa Queen, we went out, and uh, it wasn't a massive tournament. It was, you know, a little Thursday night get-together, 30, 40 boats, but I was like, Papa, I want to fish a tournament. I want to fish a tournament. Like, let's go fish a tournament. And he's like, oh, you're going to get cold out there now, boy. You sure you want to go? I'm, I want I want to go. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I want to be out there. Let's go fish it. So we go out there. We go fish it. And it gets dark. I'm sitting in there, you know, just shivering. He was right. I was cold. But I'll never forget this to, to my dying day. We're sitting there. And he throws up with a Zoom trick worm on one side of the dock. I throw up on the right side of the dock with a Zoom trick worm. He sets back, says, I got a big and get the net. I said, I got a big and you get the net. And it was both of us had a big and on. We got it back. We netted both of them up and we were like, all right, we got the money in the bag on that one. And we wow. ended up winning it. And it, it just sparked a fire underneath me. It's like, I love tournament angling after that. Like just the thrill, the excitement you get out of landing a big fish whenever it counts, it matters. You know, it just, it drove me to where I, to where I'm at today, you know, it's, Without that, just that little bit of fire lit underneath me, you know, I don't know if I'd be here right now, but 100%, I want to be here and I want to keep doing it. I love it. I love the sport of bass fishing. Sure sounds like you were born to do, I mean, well, you're from North Carolina. Your name's KJ <laughs> Queen. I mean, it was either this or NASCAR, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does the KJ stand for? Christopher Jeffrey with a K. 
Oh, I like it. I like yep. it. I might drop a Christopher Jeffrey on you at <laughs> hey, some point on work. stage. That'll work. <laughs> what uh, you said, the classic, you got way, you got some of those nervous jitters out of the way and you want to get back there. What are the most nervous, like, if you look back at the moments or at the classic that you, you were like, wow, this is the classic. What were those moments for you? When I idled out first thing in the morning, that blast off and you look up there, <laughs> Anderson County has just got the whole place packed. I'm talking from the beach. There's people standing on the beach to as far as you can see where the sun's coming up. There's people to the left and to the right, as far as you can see, I never stopped yeah. seeing people. And to, to, you know, I was, you know, getting ready and like, all right, just, you know, don't get too nervous on this. It's like, it's just another derb. Let's just go out. We're just going to go fishing, go focus on it. And, you know, I felt like I did that, uh, you know, very well. I focused and try not letting the pressure get to me as much, but you turn around, you idle through and you look and you look up and you're like, holy crap. I'm at the Bassmaster Classic. You know, it's like, it was absolutely insane. So, and I mean, I ain't going to lie to you. When I rolled through and they called my number out, it, you know, I had, I was tearing up and blasting off, dude. I mean, it was because I've worked so hard to get here. You know, I've, I've worked so hard and to finally get to that point and to be like, I'm actually rolling out right now in the 52nd Bassmaster Classic. It's like, you know, I teared up because it was just, it was a dream come true for me. You know, I mean, I've always dreamed of doing it and to actually be doing it at that time, at the moment with thousands of people sitting there cheering me on, you know, it, it, was, it was unbelievable. So cool, man. So cool. Was there a classic that stood out for you? I, I always think that like, for me, I remember for whatever reason, the Robert Hamilton Jr. Classic, I remember the exact words he said when he won that event and every, you know what I mean? But there's certain classics for people that that's the one that they fell in love with the sport. Do any stand out for you? Like what were the classics that made you fall in love with bass fishing? I can't remember the date on it, but it was the one that they had at Lake Wiley. And um, I can't remember his name. And he caught like three big ones, like right back to back to back to back at the end of the classic. He ended up winning the classic. And um, I got down there. What really was the coolest thing for me. And I'm telling you, like, I love the, the big stage, everybody coming in, just to go through the expo and see this big, giant, massive fish tank with all these big <laughs> largemouth in it. I'm yeah. like, I'm just sitting there like, I'm, I can visually image it in my mind, you know, six, seven years old, walking up into the classic and just sitting there and just staring at this big, massive fish tank. And then I was sitting there thinking, this is the coolest thing ever. It's like, they got these fish inside, you know, like, how, how could they even do this? And they're like, I, you know, just, and I watched that classic. It was kind of like my hometown lake. I'm only an hour from it. So like, it was like, I want to be that guy at the end of the day, winning that classic. And that's kind of what drove my get there was watching that classic go down. It's like, this is too cool. Like, this is awesome. It was like my first classic experience I've ever had. First time being at a classic. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was incredible. Like you just, it was awesome to, to just to even be there as a fan and be sitting there in the stage and everything and how, how big and blown up everything is. It's like, this Over is, you know, this is where I want to be. I want them. 
Yeah, it's like this is the Super Bowl of bass fishing. There's no question in my mind about it. You know, and it it is what it, you know. It is the Super Bowl of bass fishing. Actually, get there and to fish in it, it, you realize like this is it. You know, and that's why I want to get back so bad. I want to be there. You know, shake all the rookie nerves off. It's like you know, it's I've been here before. Let's go back. Let's figure it out. Let's let's go win this classic. So, you know, Loudon next year. I'm looking forward to hopefully making it there. I want to be there. We got a lot of tournaments ahead of us. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of tournaments. Anything can happen. You know, points wise. So, I just got to stay consistent, stay positive, and hopefully I can make it back to the second, uh, 53rd Bassmaster Classic. So, talk to me about Bethel. You went to Bethel um, on a. Fishing scholarship, which for most people, they don't, I mean, you are, in my opinion, you are angler 2.0. And I've talked about this for the last number of years because you guys have been coming, you know, Cody, Huff, there's all of the members mm-hmm. of that team, really. Um, so many of them, but I look at it and I'm, I'm like the sports evolving. Like we used to have pros that would come and they would be flippers and they'd be offshore anglers. It'd be. But it feels like to me that the anglers that come, especially the anglers that come through the collegiate program, you guys are so prepared just because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you guys learn off of each other and it's it like, is. it's finally you're being coached really. Yeah. And not just by the coaches, but by your teammates. Tell yes. me what, what do you think makes Bethel so special? So here's what I took in and it took me about like, two years of Bethel before I actually realized this. And I used it, I used it all the time. I use it still to this day. You have guys coming in to Bethel. You got guys from Washington state. You got guys from New York. You got guys from Texas. You got guys from Georgia. You got guys from Pennsylvania. You got guys from all over Missouri, everywhere in between, everywhere you had guys coming in and the guys that coming in, they're good fishermen. You know, Gary did a good job of recruiting people in that, you know, our head coach, he did a really good job of recruiting people that was very well, you know, very good fishermen. So you get guys coming in from different locations of the country. And every one of those guys, if you talk to them, you know, just like me and you, you got a bait that's like your little go-to bait. Like, you know, there's always one or two baits, maybe three baits that's like, you know, I can go about anywhere and I'm going to catch them on this bait. Well, they all had baits exact same from here to there, everywhere in between. And then you take and you combine all those baits together. Then you have an arsenal of baits. Then you have, you know, you got 10 or 15 different lures that work good catch fish guaranteed everywhere in the country at different places. And you can also take what was really funny. You could take baits that, you know, maybe here at the house, somebody don't even think about throwing Nobody even yeah. thinks about those baits, but out in Washington, they, they absolutely destroy them on it or out up in Pennsylvania that, you know, they, they whack them on them baits and it's like, all right, let's take them baits and apply them here yeah. and you catching fish on them. And it's like, all right, well, Hey, y'all guys need to try, try this bait out there. And once they go try it out there, it's like, dude, I'm smashing them on this bait. It's like, it makes a huge difference. Like, and it's just like having something that's really good but different than everybody else's lures. That's right. Yeah. So it's like, we'll show up to a, a weekend tournament at the house. It's like, you know, everybody's got like the same crankbait tied on. It's like, well, you know, that crankbait works really good. And there's, you know, if you do the odds on it, 
there's going to be one out of the 50 boats there. If they got 50 of them tied on, they're probably going to catch them on it. You know, so it's like, it's a crankbait that's popularly known. Everybody throws it, but I started using that crankbait. I took it out Tennessee when I was out in school at Bethel and nobody ever heard of it out there. It's like, yeah. wh- wh- what are you talking about? You know, what type of crankbait are you talking about? Like, well, it's just, you know, there ain't nothing, nothing much, you know, it's like, <laughs> start whacking them on it you know and you're and it's just like something different it's something that it's and that's the whole key in fishing the same way with our clean tackle with our tunks and lures it's something that is different and it gives you an advantage it gives you an edge because they've heard a thousand different rattle traps they've heard a thousand yeah. you know fish are educated nowadays they're very smart so you, you're able to take in the best baits from different locations and apply that into locations that you're in or areas that you know say i'm be traveling up north well yeah i'm gonna think about those baits that my buddy from new york told me about when i was in school but i'm also gonna apply the baits that they used out in washington i'm gonna yeah. apply the that they use in texas and everywhere else that is like really highly percentage you know catch ratio yeah. with the with the lure and to be able to use that and combine it together as a team that's what Bethel did. Bethel used all of that knowledge from, and it happened with the guys before me, you know, whenever I was there, when I come into it, them guys, I mean, they're winning national championships, you know, they're, they're winning everything. And it's like, I seen it coming in how they took different lures and baits from each other and yeah. applied into one arsenal. And I mean, I think that's one of the biggest players that Bethel has. Cause, and you also get not only different baits, but you get different techniques. Yeah. And it's like you get, you know, well, maybe you're taking a rattle trap and you're, you know, well, you know, down here, we'll burn it and rip it out. It's like out of the grass. Well, up here we go and we take it and we yo-yo it. And it's like, well, sometimes we drag it slow and it's like, all right, well, you do all three of those different things when I'm on the water just to see what the fish reacts to, what, what they're wanting. And then you just kind of roll with it and go with it of what they're wanting to feed with, feed with and, you know, feed on. And a lot of times it's bait presentation with a bass. You know, if you don't present the bait the right way, he's not going to bite. Just yeah. period. And it's also like, confidence, get- I imagine, too, because you you don't just you're not just taking a bait where you're like, okay, somebody showed me this bait. You're fishing with the person that has that much, like just like the baits that you've confidence in. You've got so much confidence in it. So when you fish with somebody that has that much confidence in it, that confidence kind of runs it's over to you. Over. I find. Yeah, yeah it, it does, and it's like, all right. I know this bait catches fish. There's no doubt about it. So then you go out and whenever you start to fish, you, you don't like, you don't have any hesitation on the baits. There's no exactly like what you said. Your confidence is all there. So like when you go out and you start trying to be like, all right, well, I got to cover water and I got to figure out, you know, where these fish are. It's like, well, I'm not sitting there in the bottom of the boat retying every time trying on different lures. I know the for a fact, the baits that I use, my, you know, 10 to 15 baits that I have, they catch fish. So yeah. it ain't a matter of me going and trying to figure out, well, they might want this color or, or different crankbait, this, that, and another. It's like, I know they're going to eat my lure. And so now I got to cover the water until I get my bait around the fish and I'm going to catch the fish once I'm around them. There's no question about me catching the fish. It's a matter of locating and finding the fish where are they at where are they going to and you know that's that's a huge player for me i mean that's how i fished my elite series i know for a fact i got baits that 
I get around one, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to put him in the boat. If he's, if he's there, I, I can catch him, but I got to find the fish. And it helps just, there's so much wasted time in fishing guessing. Yeah. It's, it's a huge guessing game. You know, it's like, man, well, and that's where, you know, the live, live facing sonar. Like that's taken a lot of the guess game, guesswork out of the fishing because you, you know, you'll come up to a brush pile, you'll scan over there and look, well, there's three there or there's zero there. It's like, yeah. you, you know, like, you know, if you have to waste your time or you can even watch how the fish come up, react to your bait. You know, you can study the fish themselves. You study what they're doing. You know, it might not be that color or you might have to do a different bait selection, but usually you can study them and see how the fish are reacting if they're feeding that day or if they're not going to be feeding that day, you know, but difference between throwing a jerk bait over top of a rush pile or a drop shot, you know? So, yeah. And, and it just kind of makes it, you know, same way with the baits. I got confidence that if I get around them, I'm going to catch some fish with the lures that I'm using. So it's a matter of, all right, just cover as much water as possible until you finally get bit. And then, you know, slow down, figure out what's really in the area. But you just got to go wide open. It ain't a matter of like, all right, well, I'm not wasting countless hours of the day going through different baits. And and, and, and a lot of people will do that in fishing. A lot yeah. of people, you'll see them and they'll they'll get out there and they'll, they'll tie on 20 different, 30 baits in one day. It's like, all right, now do the math on that. If you sit down and say it takes you a minute to tie up a bait, there's 30 minutes of your day yep. gone and 30 minutes is everything on the water. You know, I mean, just even five, you know, one minute, five casts, that can be all the difference in the world. Yeah. So, and I feel like, you know, fishing is, it's part of percentages. You got to get, you know, your percentage ratio of covering water to where you're going to be putting yourself in a higher percentage of getting bit, making the cast that's higher percentage, taking your time that's wasted completely out of the out of the way it's all about timing because i mean we only have eight hours a day and the yeah. eight hours it, it's so it's so fast when you're in a tournament setting and you know everything's going it's just it's fast paced it's super fast so you got to take out all the time that you waste that you you know that you don't even realize that you're wasting because there's so much time that you yeah. waste that you don't even realize like you know just even tying on lures it's like yeah. We've tied on 30 times a day. Well, that's 30 minutes of your day that's down the drain. It's like it don't do you no good. So tell tell me about because here's the weird thing. You hear people going to places like Bethel and you're like, oh, he's on a scholarship. Number one, I mean, I think the perception by most people is like they're giving him a five hundred thousand bucks a year or whatever. So I'd like to know like what a fishing scholarship's like. And then I also want to know. What is it like to be part of a powerhouse team like that? Like, do, do you guys all live together? You know, did you, you know, what is the lifestyle like? It is, it is. So like on the scholarship wise, you know, we didn't get a full ride scholarship there. You know, we didn't, but to get to go to Bethel and already know in the back of your mind, it's like, these guys are freaking hammers. You know, yeah. it's like they've already won national championships left and right. They're, they're at the top all the time. So it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to get a full ride to go there. I but you that. could have elsewhere? I, I Like, is have, there full ride scholarships there, out there? there? There is full ride scholarships. Wow. Whenever I was coming through, they were not They were just getting in the makes. Like, yeah. it was in, in the works of getting created with full rides. So now there's, 
I know there's guys that's getting full ride scholarships wow. to do bass fishing. And it's like, that's awesome. You know, that's insane. It's, it's incredible to see how much the sport's grown within the last like four to five years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to get there, to be at Bethel's team and be like, dude, I'm part of this team. It's like, you know, we're, we're a freaking powerhouse. Like you said, I mean, we really are like when we'd show up to the ramp and be like, we'd come and be like, everybody like, Oh, dang it. There's some Bethel boys. They're freaking here again. And it's like, you know, it's like, especially like we show up, we fish like our, our big bass bash that we'd have on, they'd have it on Kentucky Lake. Yeah. And you're like, all right, that's on our home waters. It's like, all right, boys, we better see at least one of y'all every hour up here weighing in a big one. And there'd be multiple times where we come in and, um, you, you know, the one year that me and my uh, partner, Evan Howery, he ended up winning the big bass bash. We, we okay. caught like best five, probably like 34, 35 that day. It was wow. insane. We cracked them. And it was like every hour. It'd be like me, Evan, Tucker, all, because we could fish three to a boat. It's like all three of us was like, all right, well, I'm going to weigh mine in, this one in this hour. And like we just went up there. We'd each weigh one in. It'd be like first, second, third, or whatever it would be, whatever it would pan out to. And you look over and you see Cole Floyd and Carl McNeil and Tristan McCormick and yeah. Cody Huff, Garrett Enders, all these guys. And they're all like, they're bringing in biggins, bringing in biggins, bringing in biggins. And it was just like, it was insane how many, at the end of the day, when they handed out like trophies and checks and everything else, it's like, you stand around there and look, it's like, well, there's, there's the Bethel team. They're sitting there <laughs> collecting trophies. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so but, did you guys live together? Did you guys have like, is there a bass fishing frat house like what what is the setup or do you all just stay in the queen machine well you know we've we, if i had it then i guarantee you we probably would have had a many of fun nights in the queen machine but <laughs> the uh we we would go and there'd always be one or two guys that would have a house and it was just a mad dash over to the house everybody was there everybody was hanging out and that's one of the biggest things about it like with bethel so bethel's a small small yeah. school in the middle of nowhere okay i mean it really but it's is. right beside kentucky lake it, it is because it that's it's literally like, how i just like I'd, I'd heard about bethel heard about bethel met people from bethel at the classic and whatever and then we had an event right beside kentucky lake and i drove past bethel and i'm like that's why it's a powerhouse <laughs> yep and that's <laughs> one truth. of the reasons that's the truth and it's like you know we go to each other's house and it'd be it was a family because it was such a small school and yeah. not everybody was spread out doing different stuff. It's like, you know, hey, it's Tuesday night. Hey, bud, what you doing? You know, you don't want to watch some fishing on TV? Yeah, come over. Well, let's let's play, play an episode of Bassmaster or something like that. And we'd come over, we'd sit down, all hang out, you know, have a good time. And and what made it so special, and I think this is one of the things too that made Bethel a powerhouse in itself, is when you'd hang out with your buddies in a family setting like that. Yeah. You're getting all the knowledge out of them. They're going to tell you everything. It's not like Doc Talk down there at the boat ramp and somebody would be like, oh, yeah, you can go throw that so-and-so on, on a lay down and they're yeah. a foot of water up there and, and catching them on a crankbait or something. You know, like they'll tell you just straight up. It's like, you know, this is how I'm catching them. This is what's up. Like, and it made it to where, you know, the same way with me and me and my dad. I'm going to tell my dad everything about, you know, fishing wise. and He's not going to lie to me about anything. So it made it a family. So all the information you got wasn't a lie. It wasn't some, you know, you know, put on some silly path of you have no clue what you're doing. It's like, hey, this is legit. You might want to try it and you'll probably catch big ones too. And it's like, 
it made it where it was just a, a family. We were a basketball yeah. family there. Like we went around, we traveled as a group. We played wiffle ball together, basketball together, like everything. It's like the Bethel Bass team. And you could spot us out from a, a mile away. It's like, yep, that's the fishing team over there. But is you know, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience just to even go to Bethel and to get there and, and to be there around guys that were hammers and that are still are hammers. Do, do, and I believe that that's true because I just watched the way you guys interact with people. Like there's times where I, I, I didn't know where certain people went to school. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, now I see why. Because they're always hanging. Like you guys are still connected to this day, correct? Yeah, 100%. Just like, you know, for example, Tristan McCormick. He yeah. qualified. Incredible hair. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, he's got the flow. There ain't no doubt about that. <laughs> but, you know, Tristan, me and him, you know, to get the fish in the classic together was yeah. an incredible, incredible experience. Just for me and him. You know, just because we've we've worked together to get to where we're at. You know, it's like we've I've spent many hours on Tristan's boat out on Kentucky Lake or even some other smaller lakes around around Bethel. And it's like Tristan spent many hours on my boat, you know, and it's like for another example, like Cody Huff, me and Cody, we would go fishing all the time together. Like me and Cody, like religiously, like every single year they had a Carl Perkins tournament. I was like, they fished for like five grand or something like that on Kentucky Lake. And it was like every year in the fall, we fished it three years in a row. We finished like second, third and second. So like we never ended up winning it. But like when we both got in the boat, like we were, we always caught fish. It felt like it was like always guaranteed. We're going to just crack them. I, I mean, can, can't count how many 30 pound days we've had together. Like, you know, just a day of a lifetime, but we've had multiple days of a lifetime, you know, just catching big fish. And it'd be like, you know, you could see like with like you could just see and tell like whenever we would go out there on the water, he would use his little techniques and his different techniques and I would use mine and I'd catch biggins and he'd catch biggins. And then we started putting it together and applying it together. And then like that's whenever we like you really see you want to like always want to be better. Like, especially like high school fishing, I ain't going to tell you nothing. You know, I, I want to do better than you. In the end, if you work together as a team, oh, yeah. it really, it, you know, it, it really helps. And that's one of the things that I'm really thankful for. You know, Cody is traveling fishing the elite series with me now. So now I got back to my kind of college roots where we can help each other out. You know, it's like, we're, we can bounce ideas off each other. We can let each other know, like, hey, this is what's going on here. This is what's going on there. And we're going to be straightforward with you, each other. There's no line or this, that, and another. We're here to help each other. And it helps us grow in the end by helping each other out. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, I, and I think it's also happening at a time in your life when you are learning the most. Like, you are being force-fed by a fire hose because you – I mean, it's natural and it doesn't have to be fishing. It's anything. But when you, you know, like you, most of us are lucky enough to be introduced to fishing by parents or somebody in our life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for a number of years, it's all what they tell you to do. But as you start to get older and go through high school into college, you start all of a sudden you're putting the plan together by yourself, but you're putting it together with a whole bunch of other people that are doing the exact same thing. thing. So I, I imagine it just, it, it, Puts learning on steroids, really. You know, with there was no steroid use, correct? No, no, okay. no steroid. 
just just fish knowledge. That's it. <laughs> uh, the uh, I want to talk to you about one thing that happened. I know you probably are tired of hearing the story. You know where I'm going with this, but dude, right, it no. was honestly one of the most amazing moments. But I can explain what it feels like to fish the first your first cut on the Elite Series. And I remember, so his first cut is in Orange, Texas, Sabine River. And uh, I remember I showed up that morning, and for whatever reason, I noticed that you were one of the first boats in the water. Yep. And, uh, you know, ready to go. It's his first 10 cut. And then, like, five minutes before takeoff, all of a sudden, I see your boat going to get put on the trailer. So, long story short, we don't need to make it painful. You realized you did not have gas, and you had to go get gas. Uh, to make matters worse, he's... You know, you can imagine what it's like. You made your first cut, and you're like, I need gas. So, you yes. so he takes so off to the gas station, gets back, and puts his boat in the water, realizes he doesn't have his life jacket, must have flown off, then needed the kill switch and everything. But the long story short is you got in the water. I just, I've never asked you this. At what point were you, like, what went through your mind when you first, like, when you were like, like I could just imagine you sitting there all day being like, I am forgetting something. I have no son of a <laughs> yeah. tell me oh, what it, it felt like. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I sit down, I was sitting there and like getting a boat, you know. I'm like, oh man, I'm fired up. We're about to go do this thing today. Like, and I was around some big fish. I even actually took a dang two-pound penalty during that tournament because I caught six fish and I'm like, uh, I made a cast after I had my wow. six boat and I called Lisa. And I'm like, like, I feel like a dummy. I pulled a rookie mistake, so I had to take two pounds off, and I was around. And two pounds in orange, yes, and that's like taking – that's honestly like taking five pounds in a Florida you know, lake, like anywhere yeah. lake, anywhere else. Yep. And it's like, oh, man. And I was around some really good fish, some really quality fish, too. And it's like, man, that freaking hurt. And then, you know, I already dealt with that the, the day before, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, go to blast off and I'm look down and I'm like, you know, I'm making an hour and hour and a half, an hour and 45 minute run. Like it's a long, long run. Yeah. I look down it's like below half a tank. I'm like, uh, uh-oh, this ain't good. <laughs> I was like, uh, Lisa, hey, um, I got to get it on the trailer. I got to get fuel. Cause like there's no gas stations or anything like that on the river. It's like, dude, you got to get fuel. Like yeah. you want to make your run back to your fish. You have to get fuel. So I was like, all right, I got to do it now. So I went down and I ended up taking like, I think it was like 15 minutes out of my day that I missed on, on blast off, which, you know, dealing with all of that going on, it, it probably thrown me off a little bit. I tried not letting it throw me off. Yeah. You, like, you know, you're here, you made it to the, to the final day, make it to the cut. It's like, all right, just focus on fishing. And then it's like, my heart rate is over, you know, 160, but sprinting through the parking lot like four or five different times trying to get this, that, and another. And it, it was, it was a mess. I ain't gonna lie. It was a mess, but I feel like it was a good thing. I mean, I got my name out there a little bit. Yeah. Gas man, you know, you know, I need to get me some big time sponsorships with some gas company. <laughs> That's what I need. <laughs> I don't even know if you remember, but at one point, like you're running. And I think you had flip-flops on because I remember, yeah. like, I'm he's oh, gonna blow out a flip-flop. <laughs> and you're running, and I literally stopped you and grabbed you by both shoulders. And I'm like, dude, just calm down. Nothing you're doing, like, calm down. 
And like the whole time you were just like, <sighs> and then you didn't calm down at all. It did not have any effect on you whatsoever. Um, we were just happy to see you get back safe. But I mean, I was glad. so how many times did you check your gas the night before the classic? I could imagine oh, that <laughs> it was, it was every single time, every day, every time I got it, put it on the trailer, thought about getting, you know, at the hotel, like, all right, let's check that gas. What, what we got? I honestly probably didn't even, I didn't even like check it to see if I had gas. I just took it straight to the gas pump and filled <laughs> it up every single time, every night it's filled up. <laughs> so every time before competition, just best believe I got a full tank of fuel in my boat because I'm not I'm not doing that again. That was rough. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it, it was, but the the reason that I love that story so much is I bet you it happened to other people. I just think that you had the, I mean I don't know whether this makes you smarter or <laughs> you had bigger balls or what. A lot of people would just like let takeoff happen and then slide on back <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> yeah. but. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I was like, man, I got to do my job, and I know I can't do it if I don't get some fuel in this boat. I'm like, screw it. I don't care. Like, I remember, like, literally putting it on the trailer. Like, the guys were, like, blasting off, and I'm, like, shooting a gap in between, like, first and second to, like, put it onto the trailer. And I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. But well. You live and you learn. Yeah. 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 live and it learn. It happens, and it, trust me, there's many other mistakes that people make throughout the year, and and it happens. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. And like you said, it turned into a positive because we talked about you a lot, and yeah. um, and that's guess the name of the game to get talked about in, in pro fishing. So let me ask you this: Did right. you do it just to get? Was it a publicity stunt? <laughs> right now, if you say no, no, no the no. entire <laughs> industry's going to think you were a genius because you held on to it for a year. No, not quite. Not quite. Wow. What's what's sad about that is I rolled through no lie. This is no lie. I went to three, not one, three gas stations that morning looking for a breakfast sandwich inside <laughs> the gas station. Rolled oh up God. and parked beside the gas pump. Literally was beside three of them before that day and i was just looking to get some food i wasn't even thinking about fuel in the boat i just wanted to get some some uh fuel for myself and did not even think the least bit about fuel i don't know why what happened though what got me is the night before that tournament i went in and i put my gas nozzle in my boat and i left and went inside the gas station and got some drinks or something like that and i come back out and you know my phone's nonstop ringing the whole time, you know. First dude, cut, you, right? Yeah. You made the first cut, dude. Like, I mean, my phone never stopped blowing up the entire time. It's like, yo, what? You know, that's awesome. You know, congrats, man. Go whack in the mar. And I, I can't thank my support group enough. I love my support group. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm constantly getting phone calls and, you know, positive mental attitude the whole time. And it's, you know, I, I'm sitting here getting all these phone calls and everything, talking on it, just walk over to my yacht boat and I just take the pump out. <laughs> put it up you know scroll it down tight and not nothing thinking of it well what happened is that fuel pump knocked off when i was inside and i yeah. had i never looked at how many gallons i got every time i get fuel now it's like all right yep now i know i got that many gallons in there because i didn't do it then <laughs> and it definitely cost me a little bit on that one but uh I don't know. It was only 15 minutes. I was I was amazed at how quick you got back there. Like, I mean, to, to go get gas, 
But now hearing that you were parked beside three pumps, I mean, I tried to give you an out. I just told you yeah. we can lie to everybody and tell them this was a genius marketing idea, but you made it worse by telling us that you were parked in front of three different pumps. But I, honesty is always the best. That's it. True, true speaks. And that was a truth. One hundred percent. I literally pulled up beside three different gas pumps and did not think at all about getting fuel. All I was thinking about was getting some grub. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's fuel. It's fueling a different, it, it's exactly. for a different motor, a different exactly. motor. And trust me, you were well fueled when I saw you running around in those flip flops. Oh. I mean, I, I was. It was pretty impressive. Is it true you you skipped your high school graduation to fish a bass tournament? I did. I skipped. You are my, a freak. I love it, <laughs> dude. I actually ended up fishing. Uh, it was on High Rock Lake in North Carolina, and I went there. And you know, my mom, she's like. You know, she's my high, one of my high school teachers, all right? One of my math teachers in high school. Oh, wow. And she is like, you know, you need to go to this graduation. Like, but I'm not going to make you go if you don't want to go. And, of course, my dad's like, hey, there's this tournament this weekend. You know, let's, you know, let's look at the thing. You know, it's like, and it was like an ABA, I think is what it was. I was fishing as a, I was actually fishing as a co-angler out of that event. And I went and I was like, Nah, I ain't going to the graduation. I want to go fishing. And I went to the went to the lake, went fishing that day, and it was like a double points tournament and ended up winning the the double points, winning the event and qualified through I think it was actually a BFL. I qualified through and made the all American off of that. And, oh wow. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well that's that's pretty cool. It's worth it, you know. And it's like it's I did the same thing for my college graduation. I didn't walk across stage. We had a college tournament, so I your didn't. Your poor get parents. <laughs> your poor parents. I feel like at the classic. If I'd have known this a week ago, I would have like made you wear a robe across the classic <laughs> stage or something, so they could seriously. see you graduate from something. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, hey, I got my got my diploma, and that was about it. So I was, hey, I was fine with it. I didn't have to sit around sweating the sun all day. And, I was out on the water sweating in the sun, but it's a lot, lot cooler out there than sitting in a bunch of, bunch of chairs sitting around listening to somebody talk. <laughs> well, I concur. I concur. I agree with you. I didn't make any of my graduations either. <laughs> really? Totally different reasons, but I, I did not make them. <laughs> um, you said this has been a lifelong dream. What is the dream? Is the dream literally just to be on the elites and and make a living? Is the dream to do exactly what you just saw Jason Christie do what, what in your head. And, and I know in fishing, it's weird because for whatever reason, and I think it's good that people are humble and whatever, but for whatever reason, people don't like to put it out there and say, this is what I want. But I really think that, that, that it's important to put it out there because yeah. I mean, you should want it all. Yeah. In my and, opinion. And what I want, I want to be, I want to be not only Jason Christie, I want to be, you know, at the top, winning a classic. I want to be the guy at the top. I want to be the number one guy at the top. You know, KBD, when he come through, you know, he was the man, all right? And whenever I was growing up fishing, that's who I kind of looked up to because yeah. he was in that same age. That's whenever he was dominating everything. Like, he, he blew everything out of the water. You know, he just dominated. And – when I was growing up and watching it, whenever I was getting into it a lot more and more, his name was at the top and it stayed at the top all the time. And it was like, dude, I want to be that guy. 
Like I want to be KVD. I don't want to just go out and do good. And like, like I want to make a great living out of it, you know, yeah. no doubt. got the twins on the way worrying about that a little bit, you know, but I want to do really good in my career, but I also want to be the like number one guy of bass fishing. Like that's my whole dream. And my goal is to be the Rick Klon of bass fishing. You know, like I want to be legend status. I want to be just like Klon whenever he's, however old he is, you know, now 75, 75, like that is, that's so impressive. He's probably one of the guys that I look up to the most is Rick. Oh. And it's just, it's incredible because he's put so much time, so much work into it. He knows what it's all about. Like even to this day, like he'll go out in the water, like my buddy, Cody Huff, he's really good friends with Rick. Really close. Yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, good luck if you're going to try and even get a phone call in on the Rick because Rick, when he gets on the water, he takes his phone, cuts it off, puts it in the console. And the yeah. only time you're going to hear from him is if he cuts it on and calls you. Like, that's it. And it's like he focuses everything in on the water. It's like he focuses everything into it, and it's paid off for him. I mean, look at him. He's a legend. And to still be getting around and doing it today's time, like 75, 76 years old, like, Dude, like hats off to him. Like it's he, incredible. It, it it is, and he's still catching them, man. Like he's yeah. still whacking fish, and it's just like, dude, you are my hero. Like there's no doubt about it. Like I want to be Rick Clun status. I want to be you know number one as considered a legend. I want to go down as a legend in bass fishing, and that's that's my dream. That's that's literally what sh- drives me. I want to be the best at the top. And I mean, it's hard. I ain't gonna lie. There's a lot of good fishermen. You got to be out there, yeah. get there. But it's possible, and that, that's the whole whole thing about it. It is possible to do it. You just got to put in a lot of time and a lot of effort. Everything you've good. already done has yeah. is hard. Like, let's be it honest. Is. Like, you make it seem simple, but to go through all the ranks that you have to make it to the elites in one year, trying. I mean, all of that is some people have have referred to just qualifying for the elites as it's in almost impossible. It's like winning the lottery. Some people yeah. have said you did it in one year. So I, I agree. Like anybody that listens to this and hears somebody say something like what you're saying and they want, you know, there is people that will be like, well, you can't put your name beside Rick Clunz. Well, who do you want him to put his name beside? Exactly. Because you want to be the best you can be. And, and I think that I, I respect that about you. Well, I appreciate it, man. I mean, I, I truly do. Like, I want to do the best that I can possibly do as a bass fisherman. And I want to be the guy at the end of the day that everybody is looking up to. You know, I can teach the younger generation. You know, I want to get kids more into fishing. I, you know, I, I love that. Like, I love seeing – I take my little nephew out fishing with me all the time. And it's just like seeing him, the joy he gets, yeah. out of, even if he's that big. You know, like it's a little bitty one, but the joy that he gets out of it, it's like, it's awesome. And it's like, I can be a role model for all of the younger generation. You know, I'm like last year, I was the youngest one on the elite series. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's my generation that I'm looking forward to. And I want to bring them up with me with the fishing industry. You know, it's like get kids more involved with fishing. And then I still want to be on that side of how people look up to Rick Klund as being a fishing legend. I want to be looked up to as a fishing legend. I want to get everything combined. You know, and I want to be, I want to be the guy at the top. I mean, I do. I want to be there. 
you work incredibly hard and that's also, that doesn't come just from me. I mean, I've seen some of the stuff that you do, but that also comes from your peers, which I think makes it even more valuable. Is it true that like you keep notes in a, in a diary through practice and every, every event? I, I do. Yeah, I really do. I'll keep them in my phone in my, in the notes in my phone, especially if I'm fishing any site fishing tournament, if I'm fishing site fishing tournament, I'm going to have every single one of them wrote down. But for example, when we fished that college tournament on St. Lawrence, uh, like three years ago or two years ago, and it was just, I mean, if you didn't have 20 pounds, you wasn't even setting in like the top 50. Like it was incredible. I think it was 55 bags over 20 or something like that. And like we went out there and before that event, I had 365 fish marked down in my notes. And each, every one of them had a defined, like, note exactly how big it was, where it was at, exact location, everything. But I had 360, 65 wow. of those notes in my phone. And it, it was so crazy. After the first day of that event, them smallmouth were so aggressive, I was down to 15 after day one. Wow. That, how, that's how aggressive them fish were. Wow. It was like. It went from 300 to 15. And yeah. then I got by with my 15 that I had the next day. And, then, you know, it had a decent finish, not nothing crazy. But the guys, I mean, it was insane how many big weights were caught in that yeah. tournament. I could have told you that before the tournament started. Yeah, Actually, Hank Weldon called me and said, do you think this is enough water? Because you guys had a pretty restricted area you could fish. It was. It was. And it, it was, and I was like, uh, what date is the tournament? And he told me, and I'm like, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. There's yeah. plenty of fish. They're all going to be on this orb pattern. They're all going to be relating <laughs> to these round orbs. Yeah. Um, speaking of spawning, you brought it up a second ago. You got twins on the way. I is did. that? I'm sure it's exciting, but a little nerve wracking at the same time. It is. It's definitely a little nerve wracking. Mama, she's, uh, she's getting close. I mean, she's, <laughs> She's not far behind. So, you know, that's still something that's, you know, going back in, in my mind. But the way I look at it, it's like the better I do is the better yeah. off that my kids are going to be able to do. And I'll be able to get them into the same platform that I was able to grow up in on. You know, it's like I, I want to make it. I want to do so. I want to do so much better for them just so that they can grow up and be you know, able to do what I get to do today. You know, it's, it's like, I want them to be able to have that chance. And, and that's, you know, that's constantly going through my mind. There's no doubt about it. It's like, you know, think about the twins the whole time I'm fishing, but it's like, I got to think about doing well as well, not letting stuff, you know, clutter my brain. I got to focus on what I'm here to do is my job. And, you know, it's my job is to put fish in the boat and to, in order to do well, the better I do in fishing is the better off that I can do for my kids. And that's, you know, that's my thing that I think about all the time. When you're on the water, and I think this is something that a lot of fans don't realize, how focused are you? Like mm. when, when, because I mean, I think I know, like on the elite series, it's all in, like it's shocking what people don't even see go on around them because they're that focused. Are you that focused when you're competing? Uh, I am. I'm like in the in the zone. Like I can hear a fish fart. Like I ain't lying. Like, <laughs> like, like seriously. Like like I get focused in and I'll block out everything else. But I tell you something that I'm serious. Like one thing I do, and I've had my best 
finishes. My best finishes did it the second day of the classic, didn't do it day one like a dummy. I will play music while I'm fishing. And like, yeah, like play music. But now like in, not, and in ears, ear headset or like like actual like in my boat, play it like in a little speaker box that oh. I got with me. Now it's not loud. I yeah. don't play play it loud at all. It's not loud enough where the fish can feel the vibrations or anything like that. It's like I have enough to where I play like some like relaxing type, maybe some country music or something of that nature. Like what what I, song would you what what song would come? Uh, to like uh, some like Tyler Childers or something of that. Okay, nature. yeah, and, Good and like just something kind of got a nice beat to it and you know, kind of keeps you going, but it kind of like zones everything else out. And whenever yeah. I and when I practice, I listen to music when I practice. We're out there by ourselves from daylight to dark. You know, it's like I gotta have something to do, so I play music, and it's like practice like you play you know you, you you know it's like you get in the zone like when i was at this you know sabine down there in orange like i played music every single day of that tournament and made it to the cut and like another one of my really good finishes that year i played music did you play running on empty <laughs> yeah, sorry sorry <laughs> sorry it's the first song that came to my head <laughs> oh that's good stuff but man, I tell you, I would get in there, get in the zone, and like, I just start relax. Like, it just makes you focus yeah. even more. Like, it just like I block everything else out. There's nothing else. I got a little music playing, and you know, there's like studies shown that like, if you do your homework and do take your test when you're studying, that you'll actually do better in your test taking abilities if you listen to music when you do it. And it's like, all right, well. Why can't it not be the same way as fishing? You know, it's like, it's kind of the same concept. I'm out here testing these fish, trying to figure out this, that, another, doing my homework. It's like, all right, time to take the test. You listen to music when you're practicing, when you're studying for the test. Well, here's the, here's the real exam. Here's the exam. Go for it. Listen to music while you're taking your exam. And it helps me. I mean, it really does help me. I'm not going to lie. It makes me focus on I, I like I don't play here's the thing though. I don't play I'm really, really stickler on sounds and vibrations. Okay. Like super, super stickler. Like, you know, I'll even go in when I go on my trolling motor, it's never of me ever releasing the trolling motor pedal. I always scroll down on the foot. Like I never pop the trolling motor. Not really. Yes, yeah, like I'm super picky on that stuff. And that you know, my dad's taught me that and raised me up that way. Because like, you your know, dad is a hammer. For those of you listening to this it, that don't it, know, his dad <laughs> could probably be on the Elite Series if that was it, his focus in life. It, seriously, and he really could be. He he really is. I mean, he's a true hammer. And and he's him and my granddad, they've been known for the last 30, 40 years at the house. And it's like, God, it's, it's like Bethel pulling up. It's like it's the Queen Boys. <laughs> and for example, I'm not lying to you. There was so they had an event on a little lake. At the Sorry, house. but all that's going through my mind right now is the Queen Machine's back doors open and the Queen Boys coming out with smoke. <laughs> <laughs> go go amongst yourself. I'm just letting you inside my brain and what I think. I appreciate people say hey, I, Sounds like a pretty good entrance, you know. Maybe <laughs> next time I get to be able to pull the van through the class, I'll be coming out the, the side door or something. Oh. Like that. <laughs> that would be magical. Okay, sorry to interrupt your story. Go on. Oh, the Queen good, Boys sir. are here. So, for example, dad and grandpa, they used to fish this Castle Bridge tournament trail every year. Yeah. And they'd always have like a championship on Lake James, which is a smallmouth lake on the Catawba River chain on up. And they would always like they'd always win it almost every single year. Well, they went and they did 
they moved the tournament back like a month early. So it's like, all right, we're going to screw these queen boys up. They, they've already won the last five years. It's like, all right, we got to get this different. Like, yeah. you know, what's, what's, what's the, you know, let's change up the dates on this. So they changed up the dates. They come in there and, and they go to weigh in and, um, they're carrying, they have like a black bag on it and they come up there and one of the guys like, Oh, queen boys, y'all, y'all got them again today. He's like, like, ah, oh, we got them decent, nothing crazy, you know. And they come in, they have like 23 pounds of smallmouth, just absolutely whack them. Wow. And, and <laughs> the guy that's standing there beside of them, he, he didn't hear them come in and weigh in. And he come up to one of the other guys that was standing there watching it. And he's like, dang, gum it. He said, I see, old, I see old queen over there. And I said, what them boys have? Did they freaking catch him again today? And he said, you know, all right, they did. So here, hand it over. And he said, ah, dang it. He had, this guy made a hundred dollar bet against with this other guy that they would win over the entire field, even with the, in a different time of the month. They're like, I've got my money. I put a hundred dollars that them boys are going to kick y'all's butt in this whole event. And sure enough, they ended up winning the tournament and that guy lost his bet on it. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and you fished, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, you fished with your sister in high school, yeah. right? I mean, she's a hammer. Yeah. She is a hammer. She fish at all anymore, or she's just a, a little bit. Not when we take the nephews out. I took nephew out. She'll go with us and we'll do some fishing. But she's full time doing nursing and taking care of two little ones and on the go. Now she's finally she's been in station down in like her husband was in the Air Force and was stationed in Texas. Okay, and uh, they're finally actually home now. So we're all actually right. home where we can get get to go fishing a lot more and get to go out. But you know, me and her uh, going up through high school me and her fished together we we went we won our state we won our regional then we went to nationals we ended up seventh in nationals but the next year or that during that summer that's when bethel actually got introduced to us yeah. and we actually found out about bethel was at the junior uh, world finals or a high school world finals and we ended up winning third in it and the next following year we finished third again and whenever we finished third back to back that's when gary mason was like hey you know what you, you know, she was actually going to school already, like was going to like uh, East Carolina University. She yeah. was going there. Like she was, there was no doubt. Like she was already registered, like already had her parking pass and everything. And then wow. like, there's like, hey, we really want to get you on our team. Like, you know, what, what do we got to do to get you on there? And like, she ended up going to Bethel and like, she, she loved the experience and loved everything about it. And, uh, you know, that same instance gave me my lead way into Bethel as well because we did really good at world finals and then the next following year me and my partner we went we won state we won regional and then we won won nationals and when we won nationals like you know Gary's like all right you're coming what do I gotta do like you're you're, you're here dude like you're, you got a place your sister's here and then like that first year me and Chelsea we actually got to fish together um we went out, we had our first event on Lake Norman. It was uh, the Bassmasters Open event that we had for college. And it was on our home lake. Yeah. You know, lake Norman, that's my backyard. I'm 10 minutes from the water. And it's like, oh, you know, it's like the nervous jitters, freshman year, going out and everything else. And I was like, all right, we're just going fishing, dude. Just It's just another derb. And we went out, we fished, fished it, and we finished second in it. And it's like, man, we're so close to winning it. The guy who actually won it, uh, I actually blew my motor up on the last day going in the like day three 
had to go. I was coming back in, going to a place where I knew big ones were at, like 100%. They were there. And the guy passes me, goes back in there, who wins the tournament. I see exactly where he goes to. The exact same fish that I was going to, he ended up catching, and he caught it and won the event. And by the time we got in, we troll motored in just in time to get it, wow. get to work. Wow. It, it was crazy. I have a, I have a similar, similar type story. Well, it doesn't mean victory or anything, but uh, we had John Cox on here a few weeks ago and he told us he found the biggest, maybe one of the biggest fish he's ever found in his life on a bed. And he ran all the way there and he got to the back and you were sitting on it. Tell me about that fish. I mean, was it as big as John Cox makes it be? And what and what happened? Dude, it was probably the it was the biggest fish I had ever seen on a bed. Like hands down, period. It was a freak of nature. It would push water. It would chase a brim out of its bed and make wake like literally that tall. Like wow. it would push the water. I've never seen a fish. Like, you'll see one wake, and, you know, you'll get, like, little bitty, like, two-inch ripples or something come off of it. This thing was throwing a wave that would crash on the bank. Like, it was so big. And, like, I was, like, I started on it first thing, and I I seen John Cox. I passed him coming through one of, like, one of the door lakes or something like that. Yeah. And I'm, like, you know, I passed him going down through there. I'm, like, oh, it ain't good when he's heading that way. It's, like, you know, he probably, probably seen some fish the same way. I pull up in there on it and I'm like, get to where there was a seven here and that, that like 10 plus was over here. Yeah. And I threw in first cast where that 10 was at, let it go down. Boom, it hits it. I'm like, oh, this is her, dude. I wind down to it, jacket, and it's the dang buck. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, dang it. It's like, and usually it's like, all right, do I release the buck or do I keep the buck? Yeah. Well, as soon as I caught that fish, I seen the female. She went right up onto the bed and started protecting. I'm like, I got to keep this buck. I'm not putting this buck back. And I put the buck in the live well and started fishing for her. And she stayed there for a long time. And then, But whenever I was fishing for her, she did something really weird. I have no clue what happened if I hit a twig and the twig hit her. But she completely went out and started acting crazy, doing circles and flips like 10, 15 feet off the bed. Like wow. went out doing all kinds of weird circles. Like something had a hold of her. And she went out, did all this crazy stuff. It took her about 10 minutes. She come back up onto the bed. I'm like, all right, that was weird, but she's there. Yeah. And I fished for her, fished for her, fished for her. I had her a turn on my worm. One time her whole tail stuck out of the water. She's just like just massive monster fish, dude. My heart, you couldn't even, I'm telling you, my heart was just going like this. I'm like, Dude, she's going to eat it. She's going to eat it. She's going to eat it. And she rolled back over and then chased the brim out of the bed. Chased the, but I don't know if it was just the fact that she was too busy chasing shiners and brim to where she wouldn't commit to my bait yeah. or, or, or what it was. But, like, I worked her, worked her really good. You know, I stayed way back from her, made the long cast and, and everything of that nature. And I thought, like, 100%. I'm going to catch this fish. Like there was no doubt in my mind, like I'm going to catch it. And then as I was sitting there fishing for it, you know, it's like the fish just all of a sudden disappeared. And I have no clue why there's not a reason. I, I did have Drew Benton. He come in and he come in behind me. Yeah. And he come back behind my boat. That's a, that's a 
there's evidently if you have you, Drew Benton, and John Cox in one, there's Very, good fish there, especially yeah. in a side fishing tournament. <laughs> no kidding. So I was like, I'm pulled down in between that seven and that 10. Well, you know, when John first come in, he was like, you know, he tried coming over. I was like, I've started casting that 10. I'm like, I know that thing's there. And he's like, all right. And he come on back around my boat and he was like trying to come into seven. I'd start casting on it. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> ain't going to happen, John. Not today, Johnny. I, I ain't letting it happen. So, you know, I, I had that. And then when Drew come in there, he's like, dude, do you care if I go past you right here? And, you know, but because it was like at the mouth of like a little canal type deal. And he's like, dude, you care if I just go right here behind you and go past you? It's like, I have one in this corner. I'm like, nah, dude, go for it. It's all right. You know, whatever, just go for it. He goes back there and catches one like four pounds. I'm like, ugh. I didn't see it the day before. I didn't see that fish in there because it was shaded right where that where his that yeah. fish was at. And I never never had a clue that fish was even there. Now, I probably would have went down through there looking and maybe had seen it, you know. But, you know, I told him, like, go for it, dude. Like, you got it. Like, fish for it. He throws over there and catches it i don't know if it was his transducers and like his sonars that were pinging that made that fish leave or what it was but i was really far back from that fish and he come in behind and fished for it and then after he come back by and left it seems like that fish just left and it wow. just disappeared i don't know like why or what the reason was behind it but she just she wasn't there she had just completely up and left and it was the biggest fish I ever seen in my life. I mean, it was a it was a freak, man, just huge. But it's like I spent three and a half hours on that fish. Yeah, and it's like you know, you got no one, one to hold them and no one to fold them. That's right, you, you really do. And it's like I messed around that day, and I I'm like, dude, I was gonna stay in the same area, and I said, there's a lot of pressure. There's a ton of boats in here. There's been boats in here. I got to get out of here. And I run all the way back up to Harris. I'm like, it's at like two o'clock, you know? I'm like, and I run back in there and I salvaged up 15 pounds in Harris at the end of the day, catch like a seven and a half and everything else off bed. And I'm like, luckily I did that and didn't, you know, didn't fall apart down there trying to force a bite that I don't yeah. even know if that was even going to be there. Cause like, I mean, there was big ones there. I mean, there, there was monsters in that whole area. I've seen a ton in practice and everything else, but the pressure was just so much. I had to go back and I had, I had one, I had two places that I could go and I could go and jump a log and then work around it and like measle my boat through this big giant log jam. And I would finally pop out on the other side and I could get in there and there was fish everywhere. And you could throw to them first cast, and it's like they'd eat every time. You could tell they'd never been touched. And I was like, all right, dude, you got that one spot. Go back and fish it. Like, you got to salvage your day. And that's what I did. I went back, and I salvaged my day. And the next day out, I'm sitting there like, dude, you know the pressure's going to be there. Go back and get you another good solid bag. Like, go where they're not pressured at. And I went back into where they weren't pressured at, had a decent bag. And then the following day, I did the exact same thing. It was just more fish coming to me. Yeah. And I was very fortunate to catch what I caught, you know, coming to me. But it was, the key was just finding somewhere that somebody hadn't been just down there beating, beating them up or yeah. sticking, you know. And it's like you had a lot of locals out kind of beating on them and stuff too. So it made it really tough. And, uh, but I was fortunate to catch what I caught. And 
Dude, I have one. Oh, I can, I can, I can visually see to this day to to a T, man. I had my so I had a fish on the bed, and it was a tree right behind it, in between me and the fish. And I threw up first, threw up there first cast and caught it first cast, and it was like a good solid three and a half pounder. And I looked and I seen the buck, and I'm like, dude, there's two of them. I was like, this oven's like a four or four and a quarter. I'm like, dude, that's a, that's a stud. You know, I need it right now. Yeah. So I like throw back in there. He comes up to it and like nips it and like blows it out. I'm like, oh, I'm going to catch you though. I know where you're setting at. So I let the boat drift in, in between me and this tree. All right. The trees in between me and the bed. And I'm sitting there looking through all this Spanish moss and it's not that far away. It's probably a van lengths away. And I'm looking through, looking through it. I'm like, all right, I see it. So I take my rod and I'm like throwing on the other side of this tree, like wrapping it around it, setting it down in there and like looking through the moss, sitting there watching this fish. And I mean, camouflage really good. He could not see me. That fish bites it. Like, oh gosh, I wind down to it. And I set the hook sideways because I had all the tree in front of me. I set the hook. I got her come up. She come up beside the boat. And I'm like, Heck, I'm, I got her on 17. I'm putting her in the boat. And I go to flip her, and I flip her up, and, like, she literally, like, this is the carpet, and her nose comes up on the rub rail, touches the carpet, hook comes out, stops, and slides back in. Dude, I dove, like, almost, like, all the way in the water, like, just head first after this fish, just trying to grab it, you know, and it's like, oh, it was so close. But it's like, if I have that one fish in, I make it the day day four and i yeah. got a good shot at possibly doing really well in it you know i mean yeah. anything's possible in florida you can pull up and catch two tens off one bed you know so it's like and that's the style that i was doing you could see you know clipper perches around some giants fishing yeah. there as well and it's like you know that's my expertise i like to sight fish i love doing it and it's like dude you're so close to you could possibly do really really good in this event maybe win it even if you just get that one extra fish in the boat, but it makes it like, it's a really hard line. There's a fine line in between boat flipping a fish and going down and grabbing the fish. Yeah, Like it really, and like it's that, a split second decision. Like you can't, if you stop to think about it, both go wrong. It seems exactly. Like. And it makes it, it really is like, that's one of the hardest things I struggle with the most is when to flip one and when not to flip one. Like, for example, I feel like like an idiot. I was down at Fork last year, and I'm sitting there fishing, and I throw my and I seen I didn't even have a spook rod on. Okay, I had a frog rod in my boat, and I seen these birds sitting on this flat point, and I'm just like, dude, mm -hmm. I'm kind of struggling. Second day, it's windy, kind of cloudy, overcast. I'm like. I wonder if there's like a shad spawn going on or some type of deal right here. I'm like, let me just try. Like I'm coming out of the pocket that I just fished, like just out of it, out on the main lake part. And I'm like, let me just try this. I'm like, I reached down in my box, tie me on a spook, get it up, fire it in there. Like second cast, just oh, monster, dude. I'm like, huh, I got her. She's big, dude. She's big. And I get her. She's coming up, coming to the boat. And she comes up and jumps like at the last second at the boat. And I just go to lift her on into the boat to swing her in. When I yeah. did that, my treble hook, I had like a thick treble hook. It snaps and the fish comes off, hits the side of the boat and goes back in. And you're just sitting there like, 
dude, if you would have just reached down and grabbed that fish, what's the chances of you getting it in and what's not? And it's just like, you know, there's other times where I've had them come up and jump beside the boat and it's like, you've lift them on into the boat and then the hook comes out of them. Yeah. When they, when they hit the bottom, it's like, how much longer was that fish even going to stay on? And it's like, it, that's where it makes it, it makes it tough for me. I, I finally started using, um, bucking bass. They've come out with some gloves yeah. and them fishing gloves. And if you ever watch, like, ever watch Polnick fish and a couple of them boys, like he always wears gloves. And I'm not because he's been hooked like 18 freaking times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he, but, he takes his life in his hands every time he lands a fish. It, I mean, it's almost like he likes to tickle the treble. Tickle them up and put, pull them on in. <laughs> but it's like when you start using them gloves, you realize how much of an advantage that you have over not having them on. Your hand's yeah. on a back flick. Like, you yeah. know, you grab one, it's slimy, it's slick. Just having that extra bit of cloth, it makes it where you can, like, you grab the fish, you lock into them. Or when you go to swing him over and, and put you know, belly in, it's like there's no slippage. It don't yeah. slip off either side. It's like it's gripped. It's got the little grippers in the glove, and you put him in the boat. And it, it makes it really nice. Like I, And I, I started last year uh, near the end of the season doing that, and I landed my percentage just went up crazy by just by using gloves. And I started looking, you know, I'm watching, like, tonic fish. And, like, you know, you know, I look up to them guys. Like, every oh, time yeah. I, I'm at an event, dude, I'm sitting there listening – to everything that all of them boys are saying because they've done it so much longer than I have. They have the knowledge. Yeah. And like, I'll ask them questions. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, a fan in myself sitting there asking questions, you know, asking them about it, this, that, and other. And it's really kind of cool because, you know, you go and you ask a lot of like local people, local guys at a tournament, they're not going to tell you what's going on. They're not going to no. be like, tell you straight up like this is it or this that and another like they'll just lie to you straight up and it's like i can almost feel like almost every one of the elite guys i go to and talk to are just straightforward with me like yeah. they just they just tell me like yeah dude like that's yeah remember like you go around this little point and there's like this patch of grass and it's like yeah it's right there and i threw this this and this in there on it and like that's how i called them like i seen you go over there and do that it's like how'd you catch and, you know and you just talk and it's just like it's kind of like the same concept that we go back to with the Bethel bass fishing, like yeah. how, how we would talk and communicate. Now, obviously they're not going to tell you exactly what to go and exactly what to do, but you can get a lot of information yeah. off of listening to what they have to say. Yeah. And it, it's weird. I had a conversation with a few different pros at the classic about this very thing. And I was like, the weirdest thing is when everybody gets together nationally for the most part, they all get along and you know what I mean? With the odd, odd exception. And generally there's a story connected to it. You know what I mean? And everyone's trying to make a living. And, and I, I get that. I think that's yeah. normal, but for the most part, nationally, everybody gets along and everyone really helps each other. But at the same time, every single one of those guys, when they go back to whatever state they're from, there's some dude that hates their guts. Like yeah. it's weird how there is like there's local support, which is awesome, but there's always like one little caveat of, yeah, I beat him 10 years ago. He's not that yeah. good. It, it's it's such yeah. an odd, odd thing, but I think, I think it's confidence too. You know what I mean? Paul Nick's comfortable in his own skin. He, he also, one of the things I really like about Brandon, he's always been like this, even when he was the new guy, he thinks bigger term. You know what I mean? He doesn't just think about, man, I want to win as many as I can win. He wants to 
ultimately he wants to make the sport better. And, and I think that uh, that's a lot of what, of what you see there. Now, listen, I, we did this whole interview inside the queen machine. So I need a tour. Can, can you, take, right. I was scared we would lose signal, but if we lose signal, <laughs> this part of the show is over, but, but show me how you live. All right. I like so, how you have the sponsor placement on the roof. Yep. Yep. Got to get the sponsors in there. Got all those. Got the different baits hanging up, different little juice baits. Um, for example, come over here. We got our underwear drawer. Underwear. Off the bat. I got to gotta tape it up, though. Yeah. Because if you don't tape it up, I've done it too many times. These drawers will slide out and your underwear will be everywhere. <laughs> oh. uh, weird story. You know that same Tupperware. And I swear to you, this is the truth. That is Mark Zona's luggage. If you ever hang out with Z Train, that is one thousand percent the luggage. That, like not in a plane. I don't think they allow you to. But if you <laughs> if it's a drive to shoot, he shows up with with Tupperware drawers hey, just like that. That's how I am. I got so. Oh look, we're all flipped around here now. Oh, our perspective is so off. Can you Where see do you that? sleep? Where do you? What like do you sleep amongst the rods or? Oh, here's bed. Camouflage. Camouflage. Got to mix it on in. Got to have all the wine, all the shirts hanging up. Got all the food and drinks in the back. Got some extra little food and little drinks down here. And in the lower part, got some tools in here. Of course, got to have the microwave. Got the, the coin tackle microwave, you know. Where's the microwave? Oh, can you not see here? Hold on one second. I didn't see it there. <laughs> can't believe this is what we do for a show. Look at <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm going to tell my kids how hard I worked today. Oh, I see it. Yeah, it's red. It's <laughs> Yep. Got the coin wow. tackle microwave. So if I ever get a hankering for some, some for some microwave popcorn, I know whose door to come knocking on. Yeah, that's right. I got you right here, man. I'm telling you, I got stacked up on popcorn in here. <laughs> Are you- I, eat, I eat it going out of style. I ain't going to lie. I mean, it's, it's a nice it's- little easy snack. It's a nice, it's a nice little treat. Makes you makes you feel happy, warming your That's belly. Right. Are you going to be looking at him at Santee? You think I you're going to be so. looking at him? I hope so. That's the that's the game plan. At least the game plan is to be looking at him. Now we're going to have that hard cold front. It's coming in, you know, to tonight, tomorrow, like you know, Sunday, first day of practice, like high fifty four, low of like thirty or something like that. So I'm like, mm, I'm not sure what's going to be going down then now i'm gonna probably go and do a lot of looking looking for some older beds gonna go try and check out stuff of that nature just seeing where they like to go to because if you look keep looking at the weather it's gonna be down cold monday uh or sunday then monday it's gonna be like a 65 high low of like 40 and then from then on out it's gonna be like 68 70 lows of like the low 50s and as long as it stays above, like, the lows in the, like, mid-50s, they'll stay up there and they'll do their thing. But it's just a matter of whether or not the cold front's going to completely, like, cut them down, shut them off, or if it's going to maybe hold them off a little bit longer. So whenever we get there, it's going to be, you know, game on ballpark. It's going to be happening, doing its thing. So. I'm th- I'm thinking that it's going to be there's definitely going to be some biggest call off bed, no doubt. There's no question in my mind because the weather's too perfect. 78, 80 degree days, 
springtime. We have a full moon starting, I think it's on uh, Wednesday or Thursday is the full moon. The 18th is somewhere in there is the full moon. Maybe second day of tournament. Yeah. So, yeah, second day is full moon. So, they're going to be coming. I mean, there's just no question about it. Like, they're going to be biggins on their way. And I think it's going to be a lot of, like, you know, your first day of practice on Sunday might not – might actually hurt you more than it will help you just because you might get in an area and not find any beds or anything like that that might be really good come Thursday, and it completely throws you for a loop, and you're out doing something completely different. Now, I'm going to keep that mindset of, you know, they're probably already made some beds. I'm going to be looking for empty beds, used beds. If they don't have a fish in them, I know there's probably going to be one using it by the end of the week. So that's definitely my game plan. I got the, all the, I got the clean tackle switchblades. I got all them rigged up, ready to rock and roll. Nice. I see them. But uh, definitely some little green pumpkin green action. The uh, that's that's my hands down go to color. It's just I catch them everywhere in the country on that color. I don't know why. I've done it in college. I've done it in the opens. I've done it in elites. It's like you sit here and look. Look at my uh, hold on. Oh, for a split second, the perspective actually was the right shape there. For just one split second, we look one split second. Yeah, we're right back to crap now. Oh, (laughs) dang. There we go. There we go. We're we're good. We're good. We're back. Don't, don't, don't. All right. Look, you got it all rigged. You're ready. Rigged and ready to rock and roll right there. Is it Chris? Sorry, go ahead. Is it Christopher James? Is that what you told me it is? Christopher Christopher Jeffrey. Christopher Jeffrey. Yes, sir. All right. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you at Santee. And I'm excited. You've been great on this show, dude. I mean, where you're so quiet on the stage. Well, <laughs> where, where did this all come from? Are you hopped up on Diet Mountain Dew or what? Oh, dude, I'm jacked up. I'm Hey, the classic got it all started. It's, it's all right. Dude, I'm telling you, what we did on the stage the second day of the classic with having everybody holler and scream. Yeah. Dude. It's got my heart just racing, man. It's like, dude, to feel that, just that roar of just that crowd, dude, it was incredible. You know what I mean? Just absolutely incredible. And, you know, to get there, to finally make it there, be there, it's awesome. But what's even more awesome would be make it back and do it again next year. And that's my game plan. I want to be there again from year in, year out. So Make it happen, dude. I know you can. You've made everything else in your life happen. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Christopher Jeffrey Queen, also known as KJ Queen. That is right. And there you have it, your exclusive tour of the Queen Machine. Very few people get a chance to look behind the hallowed doors of the Queen Machine. And I thank KJ Queen for that. And uh, that was a pretty unique interview with, with somebody who I think – you know, outside of the van and all that sort of stuff, really, he is pro angler 2.0. And I really think that that him and a group of anglers that just went through that collegiate program, you see this happen in other sports where it evolves. And at one point, you could be a flipper and make it on the elites. At one point, you could be a cranker and make it on the elites. Today's angler comes out of college so well-rounded, so driven, so centered um, and if even if they have to live in a van to do it, they're going to make it happen, and it'll be unique. Keep an eye on that dude, KJ Queen, an incredible angler, 
incredible uh, family background in angling, a incredible collegiate career. And um, for the first 20 minutes of the interview, he was incredible at pimping Queen's Tackle. So please support the young man and, and you know, buy something. We'll put a link down below. Speaking of supporting something, the call every Monday morning at 6 a.m. It launches on Bass Talk Live's YouTube channel and our YouTube channel and all our streaming platforms. If you subscribe to Bass Talk Live, you should subscribe to our streaming platform, which is the Mercer Podcast. And if you subscribe to Mercer, you should subscribe to Bass Talk Live just to support us both because that's the only time we get along when we're asking you to subscribe. Other than that, we just um, argue about stuff. And uh, every single week, you can chime in. It's a 10-minute podcast with one topic and um, a lot of different opinions. It's called The Cull, hosted by Matt Pangarak from Bass Talk Live and myself, Dave Mercer. And um, we've spent a lot of time together on this Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Thanks for being a humper. If you're watching it after Wednesday... You can be a humper any day of the week. That's it for me. Uncle Bob, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?